Hello, iGaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsors. The iGaming Next podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. I've been working with Ashley, Lewis and the guys over at Pragmatic Solutions over the last year. And as the early supporter of this podcast, I cannot recommend them enough. The Pragmatic Solutions Player Account Management Platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Play, an industry-leading content provider of slots, live casino, bingo, and virtual sports. Pragmatic Play excels at creating an immersive, engaging, and mobile-focused experience for players with over 200 HTML5 games that are available in all currencies, 31 languages, and all major certified markets. Discover more at pragmaticplay.com. This podcast is brought to you by YOLO Group, bringing next-level innovation to the worlds of gaming, fintech, blockchain, and more. Serving millions of users worldwide, YOLO Group is committed to putting the customer at the center of the universe via a wide range of fun, fast, and fair products and services. YOLO continues to drive crypto adoption and fintech innovation within both the iGaming and entertainment industry via its array of disruptive B2C and B2B brands. To find out more, visit YOLO.com. And good afternoon, good afternoon, uh, Casey Clark, Senior Vice President here of American Gaming Association. Great to have you on the podcast, uh, uh, Casey. How are you doing today? I'm great, Pierre. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. We have uh, two weeks uh, today, actually, to, to our event, which is uh, uh, I Give Me Next here in Valletta. Um, but uh, that is not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a slightly bigger event today, which is uh, uh, G2E Las Vegas, uh, which is the, uh, the primary gambling conference uh, in North America, uh, Casey. And um, I'm really curious uh, to, uh, to talk a little bit more about the conference because what is interesting to me is that uh, the last time G2E Las Vegas took place in full force, let's say, in 2019, because obviously last year was uh, COVID and they, um, that yeah. obviously put some restrictions on you guys. Um, a lot of things have happened during these couple of years from 2019 till today. And the American gaming landscape have changed uh, considerably. Um, you know, so as a starting point here today, uh, I would just like to ask and open up uh, um, about that question specifically. Um, in your opinion, how has the American gaming landscape changed since G2E last happened in full force in 2019? <laughs> well, it's hard to imagine anything that hasn't changed pretty dramatically since we were all together in Las Vegas in uh, October of 2019. But, you know, look, we had a great show last year um, in, in 2021. We were missing a lot of our international colleagues because of the travel restrictions that were still in place at the time. Uh, but, you know, we were still managed to get, you know, about a about half of what we would have expected to see uh, in terms of attendance. But it was a great experience and everyone was excited to be back together. And there was a lot kind of energy. And I understand that was that kind of energy at ICE uh, this spring as well. So, uh, you know, certainly really enthusiastic about welcoming everybody back to, to Las Vegas for the first time. 
in, in quite a while. And, and you know, G2E is is the 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 place where we're we're going to see new technologies, where we're all going to get back together, where there's going to we're going to create a real marketplace for for the future of the business, not just here but around the world. And so we're really excited about what we're going to see this year. Uh, you know, it, it will feel a lot more like the 2019 show. I think for any of us who were there and who were there, uh, we'll be excited about the buzz and the energy that we're going to be feeling again when we're walking the halls of the Venetian Expo. But you know, look, I, I think that it's important to probably frame it in the context of where, how, how the industry's evolved, kind of like you asked about. You know, we've seen 2019 was a record year for the American gaming business. And so we were heading into 2020 with great momentum. Uh, and, and certainly, as you mentioned, sports betting was just starting to get to pick up steam. Um, and then, like every industry, we, we hit massive headwinds uh, in the springtime of 2020 that shuttered every casino in the United States, just like it has everywhere else. And and so we the industry looks a little bit different now than it did before. But that hasn't changed what people are excited about. You know, we're seeing record numbers of people coming back to casinos. The, the demographics of the people coming back is a little bit different. So we should talk a little bit about that. Um, but we're, we're you know, the industry has evolved pretty dramatically on what are the complementary ways we can bring our products to customers where they are instead of them coming to us? Uh, and so that certainly fits with, with, with iGaming. It fits with, with mobile sports wagering and other activities that are you know, bringing a kind of omni-channel approach to gaming that I think is bringing consumers and gaming closer together than ever before. Right. Um, you mentioned, of course, that Las Vegas has had a record-breaking year revenue-wise in 2022. And at the same time, there is now a whole ecosystem in the online sports betting and online gambling world in the United States yeah. that did not exist perhaps in 2019. And so you would imagine that there is a lot more professionals in the industry um, in today's day and age compared to 2019. Do you see that as well In uh, when you look at the, the expected delegate numbers and the expected... Uh, um, exhibitors and sponsorships and stuff like that for G2E this year? Do you expect that to be a kind of record-breaking year or how how is it different from 2019, the conference this year? Well, I think you see a little bit of both. I think you're, you, know, you still see the really uh, ingrained and, and legacy businesses that have always been a, a staple of G2E showing up in a big way, not just from a from a, an attendee or operator perspective, but from an exhibitor perspective as well. Where we've got the traditional manufacturers of the IGTs and Light and Wonders and Aristocrats and Konami and Novomatic and AGS and all of the, the people that we've all come to expect to have big exhibits and big presence there being, you know, th there's a complement to that, which are, are kind of an increase in some additional iGaming or or other technology providers that, that have really come online and have, have bolstered their presence, not just at the show, but in the American market over the last few years. So it's been a really fun time for me to be involved in this business as we have kind of, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into when I joined AGA five years ago, but certainly <laughs> it's been a wild ride and it, and it looks and feels a little bit different than it did before. But I think it's important to think about it as a complement, not a replacement. You know, we're not seeing a migration away from the traditional gaming experience. We're seeing people engage in it in a lot of different ways. So, you know, what we saw through the pandemic is, is that some of the myths about uh, the, the threat of iGaming to a brick and mortar business aren't, aren't, uh, aren't as real as maybe people thought they might be. And, and instead, we're seeing that being really complimentary. We're seeing the demographic, as I mentioned, of, of casino goers age down pretty dramatically, um, which means that, you know, people, younger people are engaging in our products in a brick and mortar environment more than ever, which is really exciting. You know, there's one thing that everyone knows and, and people who are paying attention to your podcast know better than anybody that 
our industry is really good at creating a great experience. You know, we're great at entertainment. We're really innovative. We find ways to make sure that we're providing something that you want when you go to a property or when you log into your app. And so you know, we've done that really well. And I think the, the customers are seeing that and enjoying it differently and, and probably better than they have before. If it was one takeaway that me and other delegates took from ICE uh, earlier mm -hmm. in the year, it was the fact that uh, online really um, um, kind of, um, it, it was almost like the changing of the guards to some respect. Yeah. Obviously in Europe, we have a, we have a quite uh, mature market when it comes to online gambling and so on. But um, when you look at G2E this year, uh, specifically uh, um, about the uh, land-based split versus uh, the online split, um, do you see a similar trend emerging in G2E as well? Will uh, online have a much bigger presence this year in comparison to 2019 when it was fairly small part of the show? Well, I think by default, because we were we were such a nascent market in 19 and in a lot of ways still a maturing market for for mobile sports wagering providers or, or iGaming providers, um, you'll see more of that evolution and more of a presence and you'll feel it. I think that that's a buzz that's really good for our business and good for the show and good for everyone who's going to be there. Um, but, you know, it's not just newcomers of the market. It's certainly established brands are now engaging more actively and more uh, substantially in mobile wagering and iGaming. And so I think that you're going to see new products, new energy new people focused on on delivering for customers where they are um, but that's not going to replace the investment or interest in driving people towards the brick and mortar environment and you know there's just i, I think I, I talk a lot about about sports betting and what it means for people to be able to bet on their phone versus go to a sports book and and i just don't think that they're comparable products you know they're, they're complementary products because i like to bet on sports and so i like to be able to be on my couch at my house and, and, and bet on a game. Um, but it doesn't replace my interest in the energy or being around the energy of a sports book. And so I think what we're, what we see in the U S uh, and probably we'll see more in the U S than maybe the European market is that continued balance of really exciting entertainment options for people who want to go to a property and, and a comparable product for those who want to do it at home. So it's a much different market. And, and part of that is maturity, as you mentioned, you know, the European market's been much more progressive on iGaming and, and, and sports certainly than the US market, but uh, you know, we catch up quick. So I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of options for anybody who's looking for anything at G2V as usual. I have never underestimate the Americans. That's a saying we have <laughs> over, over here in Europe. Uh, interesting to, to your point here as well. Um, the discussion that was uh, perhaps uh, taking place a couple of years ago, whether online would be a complement to land-based mm -hmm. or if it would uh, eat from the uh, revenue of, of the uh, land-based uh, operators. And traditionally in the um, 2000s and 2010s, uh, there was uh, a lot of resistance from the land-based operators to uh, adopt uh, online, so to say. Um, Casey, what do you think is the was the primary driving factor for the land-based uh, operators to uh, accept and adopt uh, the t technology advancement that online uh, eventually bring brought? Was it PASPA? Was it uh, the pandemic that uh, brought them over the line? Um, obviously, there was a pretty big proponent in, in Sheldon Addison uh, back in the day. Um, um, is, was, was that also a major factor in the, 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 um, the turnover into, into online? What, what do you attribute this? Uh, um, this too. Well, I, I think um, to, I'd say the first couple things are certainly contributors to that with with 
the spread of legal sports betting and and general perceptions in the American market about sports versus iGaming, you know, it's it's a much more uh, in terms of public perception and public uh, reaction, a much more acceptable and, and kind of easy entree point for people on sports versus iGaming. And so uh, the PASPA decision by the Supreme Court certainly helped to make to to ease people's comfort level with that, uh, and, and the pandemic. You know, contributed to to that when there weren't brick and mortar casinos to go to, and so there were opportunities for really rapid advancement in what we could do to bring our product to market rather than the consumers to our product. Uh, and so those things will continue to evolve. Look, iGaming is still a pretty pretty small marketplace here, right? We're talking about six or seven markets total if you include Nevada poker, uh, and so it hasn't been. You haven't seen the rapid adoption of iGaming like we have on sports uh, yet, but I do think that's that's kind of where we're headed, and certainly something where uh, we're interested in, in helping to ensure, like we have with sports, that we're not just pushing for rapid expansion at the sake of rapid expansion, that we're putting the right mechanisms in place to get this right. And and that includes creating a business environment where people who are involved in it can actually make money and where we can create a viable alternative to the you know, pervasive and predatory illegal market that's been servicing Americans for a really long time. So, you know, we, they've got a leg up um, and we've got to do everything we can to fight that illegal market. And that's why you've seen the AGA get really active lately on, Encouraging the Attorney General of the United States to 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 be uh, much more or much more uh, aggressive in his enforcement actions. We're we're in the middle of Responsible Gaming Education Month, where we're working with the Attorney Gen Attorneys General from across the country to to raise awareness of of legal options versus the illegal market. And so, there's a lot that has to be done to to stop the spread of illegal gambling uh, in this country. And, and part of that will be providing American consumers with access to a legal alternative that offers the right kind of protections that simply just don't exist in those marketplaces. So we're excited about the progress we're making, but it's certainly, you know, it's not uh, the widespread rapid adoption uh, for iGaming that we've seen in sports, at least so far. Right. And I mean, just going back memory lane a bit, I, I was uh, very much part of the uh, online poker community in the 2000s mm -hmm. and uh, very much in the center of things when Iwega happened and, and the Black Friday in the um, uh, in the United States where basically uh, uh, online poker was uh, was banned in the United States. Um, the, uh, the, the, the kind of tool that was used at that time was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that banks were not allowed to... Uh, um, to transact into the online uh, gambling environments, basically. And that was a pretty straightforward solution to kind of close down the market um, uh, during that time. Today, uh, with the rise of crypto, it's obviously a lot more difficult to control uh, deposits into these uh, illegal environments, which are generally these crypto casinos, uh, than which are circumventing the regulation. You mentioned here that you uh, are discussing with the regulators different uh, different options how to fight the illegal market. Um, mm -hmm. How do you how do you fight against the uh, say the crypto casinos or uh, these Ill Ill illegal operators? Well, part part of it is is uh, a a public education uh, campaign where we're making sure people understand that it's not legal. I don't think people get it. I mean, I honestly, our research suggests that most people who are betting assume they're betting legally because they can Google, uh, how do I bet online? And they, and it comes up, right? Organic search will, will, will populate that. You're not, the illegal market isn't getting access to paid promotion on, on Google or, or other platforms, uh, at least not as far as we can, if we can help it. Like we're, we're making sure that we're pointing out to, 
anybody yeah. who's who's taking money from the illegal operators that that they're breaking the law. Um, but you know, we're working working on that pretty aggressively on how do we ensure that consumers are well informed about what their legal options are. Uh, we're working closely with. Uh, with regulators, as you mentioned, we're working closely with law enforcement. We're close with the FBI, who's really engaged on on how do we ensure that we're enforcing that. And so, look, at, part of this is making sure people understand the protections that exist when you bet in the legal market that don't exist in a crypto casino or in an offshore, uh, unregulated sports book that doesn't, you know, that that is going to take a marker and, and maybe put you out over your skis, not enable you to set limits of time or, or money uh, and, and don't have any real responsible gaming provisions, which, which are foundational to what we do in the American market. So I think it's really important that we that we draw a pretty stark uh, uh, differentiation between what we offer and what the illegal market does and then make sure the American consumers are well informed about where they can do this legally and where they can't. And so part of that's on us to make sure we're continuing to raise raise the visibility of that. Part of it is making sure that law enforcement's actually cracking down against against operators who are involved in, in our in, in the American marketplace where they can't or shouldn't be. Uh, and so part of it, I think when, when I think about it, I think about an ecosystem. There's kind of everybody's got a role to play here. Uh, we've built over the last couple of years, excuse me, we've built this uh, responsible gaming education campaign called Have a Game Plan, Bet Responsibly, which is which is primarily focused on sports betting, but certainly has applications beyond just just sports but you know we've brought in leagues and teams and media companies and technology providers and gaming operators and everybody in between who has a role to play in in curating and cultivating a mature and sustainable marketplace where everyone can can you know certainly capitalize on but that comes with some responsibility so how do we make sure that people who are engaged in this are going to do this the right way and all of us working together on that provides a lot of momentum so I think you'll see applications of those kinds of principles and that kind of effort uh, applied to iGaming going forward too. Brilliant, Casey. Um, what is the most important discussion to be had at G3? We, we just talked about the illegal offering here now, responsible mm -hmm. gaming. Those are two important discussions uh, during the conference, of course. But uh, other than them, like what, what do you feel are the most important discussions uh, at G2E this year? You know, I, <laughs> That's a great question. And I probably, the answer to it is probably different for everybody. You know, I think what an operator might want to hear or see at G2E might be different than what a gaming supplier might be looking for. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm really excited. You asked me what I'm excited about for G2E. I'm excited yes. about the energy. I'm excited about the buzz. I'm excited about the, you know, just being back around the, the full complement of the global gaming business um, coming together again in Las Vegas. You know, there just, there isn't an environment like Las Vegas anywhere else. Uh, and, and I'm excited to bring everybody back there so that we can we can create that kind of opportunity for the right kind of discussions for the outcome that you're looking for out of the show versus what you know I might be looking for or, or somebody else. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for everybody to get something out of it. We've got a great education program set up this year that's going to have somewhere close to 80 different sessions on topics from tribal gaming to crypto to iGaming expansion to sports betting and and all of the other things that, that, that make our business so well-rounded. And so I'm, I'm excited about the buzz and the activity that's going to come with all the people being back. Absolutely. I, I, personally, I'm, I'm very excited as well to, uh, to be a part of the agenda uh, this year as a delegate, obviously being there and, and taking in yeah. as much of the conversations as I can. Um, who, who are the um, 
major keynotes that uh, that you have booked so far. Obviously, the agenda is a moving target. Still, you're you're a month <laughs> out, or so so a lot of things will change. I can resonate with that. But um, so far, who, who would you say are some of the major keynotes? Well, we've got we announced one of the keynotes for Tuesday. So uh, Bill Miller, our CEO, always gives kind of a state of the industry uh, set of remarks that'll that'll frame the the rest of the week in, in terms of conference and and, and uh, content. So Bill will give his typical uh, his remarks. Um, but you know, there, there's also going to be a great panel discussion. We've got six gaming CEOs, six operator CEOs who kind of represent different pieces of the business, uh, who are going to go through kind of rapid fire conversation with CNBC's Contessa Brewer. So it's going to be really fast paced, really energetic, really fun to bring some different perspectives from a regional casino perspective, from a kind of Las Vegas perspective, and then from the sports betting uh, perspective as well. So six industry uh, executives who are going to share their perspectives in, in a really kind of interesting format. So we're excited about the energy that's coming. And so stay tuned. We've got a, another announcement coming <laughs> soon on next uh, on the Wednesday uh, keynote, which I'm excited about also. So uh, as you okay. said, moving parts, but that one is we're not quite ready to announce it yet, but when we are, All right. we'll no, no, no hot take in the podcast today, unfortunately. <laughs> not okay. today. Sorry. All right. It was a good try. It was a good try. But yeah, um, you got to give it a shot. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, another thing that uh, is interesting to me is um, 2019 versus 2022. I feel that um, this and last year have been a year where especially online sports betting has entered the mainstream. A lot of reputable media organizations, uh, New York Times, Business Insider, you mentioned Contessa Brewer of CNBC, um, many other reputable media houses are now covering the uh, online gambling and the gambling uh, industries. And I get very much the feeling that uh, we are somewhat entering the mainstream. Like I said, also Twitter yeah. have been dabbling with the fact of potentially launching online sports betting. Disney is in the news every second week. Um, what's uh, yeah, what's your feeling here? Just- I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I think they're not just covering it; they're they're integrating it into all their content. Right. And and it used to be that you had to, uh, they would skirt the issue a little bit when they talked about odds or favorites or anything like that because it, you know the leagues didn't support it. And so there there was a lot that the media companies had to kind of dance around in terms of what kind of content their viewers wanted. And now it's fully integrated into the into the experience. And I think in a really smart way, they're embracing what it can mean for customer engagement, what it can mean for, for more eyeballs. You're seeing some, some places do like there's a regional sports network here in Washington that does alternate feeds of wizards games. That is not just the traditional broadcasters talking to each other, but there's an alternate feed that has a, you know, a ticker on the bottom of odds and how they're changing versus. So it's, it's a really interesting thing for the evolution of sports television and sports media uh, to be able to integrate something like this more wholly. And so, you know, it's not just them, you're seeing Sports Illustrated now actively involved. You're seeing, you know, ESPN, like you mentioned, covering it, but Disney's looking to get more active in sports. And so I think there's going to be a lot to do with, with, how sports not just gets integrated in content, but is integrated into the experience from media companies. So, uh, you know, all, certainly they will all be represented at the show as well. So, you know, that we'll have, we've got a lot, we've got kind of every major league coming and, and, and will be visible and, and active and, and media companies will be there uh, on force as well. So there's something for everybody, but I, 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 you know, I talked about earlier how, exciting and fun it's been to be here at the AGA during this period of time of evolution for this business. And that's certainly one thing that I've really enjoyed being a part of. Right. Is that also part of your uh, job, Casey, at American Gaming Association to uh, uh, to bring the industry into the mainstream? Like you mentioned here, the, the, the support of the uh, 
of the leagues is um, it's like a cascade. It, it, it leads to uh, then the, the media organizations coming on board and it leads to better coverage of the industry. Is that something you guys uh, um, also are working actively and, um, and uh, what can we expect here in the, in the coming year? Do we see the industry moving ever, even more into the mainstream? You know, we, we, we are a mainstream business. And I think that part of part of my job as, as you know, chief communicator is, is making sure that the industry is well understood, whether that's what a brick and mortar casino does when it comes to your community or what a new sports betting proposition might look like in a jurisdiction or or what it means in practice versus in theory. And so I, I, we have a lot to do in terms of making sure that the market's well informed and, and that we're well understood and appreciated the way we should be, not just as taxpayers and, and entertainment providers, but as great employers and great community partners and everything else that we bring to to bear as the regulated marketplace. So uh, there's a lot there and, and a lot that is fun to be a part of. And so I spent a lot of my time talking to leagues and teams and broadcasters and other people that if you, know, you told me five years ago, this would be what I'd do with my with my career and my uh, and my days, I'd be really jazzed about it. So it's been a really fun thing to be a part of for me professionally and personally, um, and certainly core to what the AGA does every day, which is being the principal advocate for the American gaming business uh, in media with influencers on you know, in Washington or in the States with regulators and with others to make sure that we're well understood, well appreciated and, 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 uh, and seen as the partners that we really are. Brilliant case. And a, a final question here for me as well is, um, uh, again, going back to the, um, uh, to the demographics of the uh, conference, uh, do you see a major shift in demographics, uh, from, uh, this year to 2019 in terms of, uh, uh, demographics, um, American versus European and Asian um, delegate split, uh, or does it remain fairly similar? Is the show more international or still? Uh, I, I think it's more international because you're seeing more uh, interest in the American market or maybe interest in access to the American market from from others or from other geographies. But you know, the, the show's always been global in nature. Uh, yes. when allowed to be right i think we we had some some restrictions last year based on covid travel restrictions but the, out of our control uh and so i'm excited about bringing the global back into the global gaming expo and and, and seeing that you know i think that uh the aga and our partners at rx put on a great show uh and i'm excited about the energy being back from not just the global community but the american business and and everyone involved you know it's it's like we talked about leagues and teams and broadcasters and all these other people coming to the show and it wasn't like that in 19, you know, there was, it was just starting to feel like that. Uh, it certainly wasn't like that in 17, uh, you know, so we've seen <laughs> pretty rapid evolution over the last five years of what the audience makeup looks like for our show. Um, and what engagement in the American gaming business looks like. It's not just like you mentioned, you know, how, how our media companies getting involved, how our leagues getting involved. And so there's a lot to be, to be said for the evolution of, of the industry that is reflected in the evolution of the show too. Absolutely. I mean, uh, for myself, when when we debated whether to go to G2E in 2019, the discussion was very much, well, you know, it's it's mainly a land-based show. Right. Uh, the online department is pretty small. And obviously, for me, I'm completely immersed in the online uh, part mm -hmm. of the industry. Whereas um, this year, the decision is a lot more clear for us. 
uh, as an organizer. We feel that uh, uh, the show is uh, a lot more relevant for us now compared to 2019. The ecosystem in online is much stronger. Um, right. I have, I, for my own market research, at least like my limited uh, experience, it is that a lot more people in, in our circles here on the European side are looking to travel over to, uh, to D2E as well, which is a, a great and positive sign as well. So for us, the decision to come over was, uh, was easy this year, just based on, uh, on the fact that uh, the online uh, side seems to be a lot stronger now. I'm glad to hear it. And look, and that's what, we're, that's what we've always you know, strived to be, right? Which is the destination for the global gaming industry to come together and and not just create a, a marketplace for right now, but talk about the trends that are going to be happening in the industry in the next few years and, and start to put those things in motion. So uh, I'm excited to hear that it's working. <laughs> and I'm excited that, yes. that you and your colleagues are, are, are sharing our enthusiasm for, for how great the show is going to be in October. Absolutely. Any excuse to go to Vegas as well. Uh, that's, uh, that's another reason. So. Yeah, uh, we, we, do, we do have an ace up our sleeve with Las Vegas, right? People do want to come to Vegas. So it's, uh, it's a great time and, and just a, an unbelievable amount of energy. Anybody who's not been should check it out because it's, uh, it's, it's unlike anything I've been to and, and having experienced show, ICE and, and shows in Asia and others. I think that, that the G2B Las Vegas show is, is certainly uh, unique and one not to miss given the, the kind of energy that goes around around being in Las Vegas and being around all your colleagues is, is certainly un unparalleled. Absolutely. And, and uh, we also hope that the discussions around responsible gambling is uh, taken to heart when the uh, after networking drinks and the after shows uh, continue in the casino than for the delegates uh, as well. So that's uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> set your limits. Yes. Yeah. Bet responsibly. Set your budget. <laughs> set your time limits. Bet with friends. Yeah. That's it. That's it, Casey. <laughs> so uh, October 10th to 13th, 18,000 people, 250 exhibitors, 70 different sessions and representation from 105 different countries. I can't uh, wait to, uh, to see you there in person, Casey. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board today to the uh, Agumenek podcast and um, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, great to be with you, Pierre. Thanks. And I look forward to seeing you in Vegas.